20-somethings who are either married or in committed relationships who say their unions are more secure and more honest because they don't believe in monogamy. I just took off my clothes and I had to do it. Talking about swinging, or as it's known now, living in the lifestyle. We're going to have to give you some quinine. Technically, an orgy requires a minimum of six participants. This is a new generation of swingers. Waves are coming at you on Friday, Saturday, by Sunday, your nuts gonna be drained. Oh, oh, oh! Hi, everyone. Welcome to Swinging Around, the sex positive podcast about swinging and sex. I'm Danny. I'm Heidi. And this is episode forty-eight. Sex in the news. Newsy sex. Yeah, we'll be talking about sex in the news, but first, we have some lifestyle chat. Take it away. I wanted to discuss, first, don't, we're not going to dwell on this, but we got a, recently had an iTunes comment um, that was fairly negative about the podcast, and that's... And everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, everybody's opinion. entitled to their opinion, and we want feedback, positive or negative. But I do want to, I'm not going to go through and, and discuss the comment too much in depth but i do just want to comment one of the criticisms was that quote unquote being being an educational podcast that the this the poster didn't think that we had enough experience to be an education podcast but i just wanted to to say that i don't consider us us to be an educational podcast i don't think that we go on here and try to educate um in fact, we point out all the things that we don't know. Yeah, we all often the time. we often say that we don't know, and we're just our listeners will know that we are a couple who's going through and and our journey through swinging and mm-hmm. and doing it in podcasting form and discussing it. And we uh, when we started the podcast, we had been in the lifestyle for about three years, mm-hmm. and now we're going on five. Now we're going on five. We've been podcasting for two, but we don't know everything, and we all will often debate on the podcast here. And you can hear that live, like you can hear it when you're listening. We will have, we don't have everything worked out, but I just wanted to point out that we are not, and we wouldn't consider ourselves to be an education podcast. And we don't profess to know it all. We we don't, I don't, and my own personal opinion is nobody can truly claim that they're an educational podcast unless they have a a degree or some training Mm -hmm. in sex education professional they're a professional in in that particular topic which we are not now of course we do give advice or we people will give advice and and discuss our opinions but there are opinions and we're not professionals we we do not have any sort of higher education degree and so well we do but not in sex well yes not in sex so we'll we'll leave it at that and i just wanted to uh just bring that up in case it's it's there's a perception that we would label ourselves as educational podcast regarding swinging and sex. And, and we wouldn't, we're just a couple going along on a journey and, and discussing it through podcasting form. Yep. So moving on from there, it is October and that is a big Should month. We for call sw- it October. <laughs> that is a big month for swingers. October is a big it's month. It's like the Christmas of swinging. I it think is. we've said that before. It is. So, Halloween. I mean, I think there's some kind of swinger party pretty much every month of the week. Uh, every week of the month, you could find something oh, Halloween uh, yeah. swinging related. And in some places, even started in late September because they just want to get it in and everyone's excited and 
anxious to get into their costumes. And I mean, every month, or every, every time you go to a swinger event, somebody's dressed up in some way. I mean, almost every swinger event is a, a form of Halloween, but Halloween's when you really go out and yeah, go out. Yeah, a lot of times, it. yeah, you're exactly right that a lot of times it's, it's often, uh, Almost like Halloween because mm-hmm. parties always hotel parties or parties in in general will yeah, often have a theme. Yeah. They'll they'll often have themes and and this month is our white theme or this month is this mm-hmm. and so everybody dresses up. But Halloween is a little bit different and and it really brings everybody out. Everybody looks forward to October. For, yeah, I that's mean there the might month be couples where... who don't go out all year, but they go out on Halloween. Exactly. Like, like the parties the month... seem to double and triple in size. Like, exactly. It's ridiculously it's, huge. So it's, I mean, it brings the out sexies are everybody. out. Everybody's out. Yeah. Other other parties throughout the year, you know, you get a certain amount, and there's always a lot of people. But Halloween, everybody comes out. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that. We're we actually have our Halloween party tomorrow. Yep. But and interestingly enough, I bought my Halloween costume last year, probably in like November. Well, that's what I was because the, was... the the sales that happen after Halloween are so good. So if you can buy your costume this year for next year, because I think we bought a sixty dollar costume for maybe ten bucks. Yeah, and, and I mean, the deal was amazing. And I don't know what we were thinking. We didn't do the same for me. I yeah, we should have. I didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't think on you the ball were in a bad year. mood and didn't feel like shopping for clothes or, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I, there was a reason for it. But I only just recently got my costume. Yeah, so and, and we paid, paid, paid full price. Yeah. <laughs> so A lot. Um, for yeah. some cheap. Fabric. Yeah. It's, we would definitely say that if after Halloween's over, uh, you know, uh, November 1st through, like, through the month of November, be- before they put Halloween stuff completely away. Mm-hmm. And, or um, online sales too. or online like if oh, you go yeah, to yeah uh, online sales lovers lane or adam and eve or, or other any other yeah even um, those even those like the online the, sales the, places they have yeah huge clearance sales online or those um i don't know if this is nationwide but around us there's always the the like seasonal halloween store that pops up that mm-hmm. i don't know what they like what well, are they're they... all different ty- different brand names they're you know halloween usa and yeah yeah but all they'll kinds of different but I, don't, I, I don't know what's in that building space before it's usually like... vacant but yeah they'll so find just... a vacant lot in the strip mall and they'll around, take it over for halloween around here and... at least starting in september or so there'll be like pop-up like halloween stores and mm-hmm. um i mean they're, they're 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 big and so they always have sales so yeah you know we got your costume last year which is definitely something that you can you can do to save some mm-hmm. serious serious cash now yeah. it seems weird to it was be... a little risk because when we bought it i could not have fit into it last year <laughs> so i was i was post-pregnancy still had some some baby weight to lose yeah so it was a risk in in buying it last year but it fits so. yeah yeah so that's a way to save money for sure. Is it's it seems weird to go out and buy a costume. Well, you might not um, only use it after, for Halloween. After Halloween, if well, you think about the, common themes in the swinging world, you can always find yeah. another use so un- unless you're like a werewolf or some kind of right. You but know, if you're some... if you're a schoolgirl or if you're you know something maybe sports related or if you're something like fall related or I mean there's there's some common themes out there something that's that's ball or princess related I mean those are pretty common themes devil devil and angels a pretty common yeah. theme like anything in those realms you're you're guaranteed to be able to use it other than just halloween so yeah. if you're going to desire speaking of which Oh no I I wasn't quite done I just wanted to mention too that with with halloween parties it we we've, we've had um Halloween parties, we always try to go to bigger, a uh, bigger hotel party, and I just gotta say that when a when a party cancels last minute, that sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah, hotel party. So disappointing. We are the party we're going to tomorrow is an alternate party. We we had one we had one planned and we got a last minute call or last last minute email last week saying that saying that the party had to be canceled and it it, it just it just um it's annoying for everybody when that happens but it also just points out the the it's an inherent the, risk the, the turmoil that you know the the risk that there is in throwing a halloween party or throwing throwing, any throwing kind a of party, party throwing I mean, a hotel party the the hotel uh recognizes a liability and and the the clubs have to yeah. be able to respond to that liability and make the people the owners of the cl- the hotel comfortable with what's going to happen in their facility i don't know and you can't always come to an agreement with that so those those places that are established and have been at the same location month after month for years i mean they're they're lucky to be able to do so because yeah. a lot of clubs have problems yeah and hotels come under new management and the new management says you know what we're not comfortable with what's going down and, and it's and it's hard to blame the, it's it's hard to blame people who are throwing a party but at the same time if you prepay you're like well i want to get a refund but they're in deep you know with all the money that they've put into hotel parties it's made me reconsider not not that i was ever not that we we've casually talked about even less than casually just like uh wouldn't that be cool if yeah. we ever wanted to start a, a hotel party mm-hmm. um but seeing seeing that the trouble this particular club has had they've had to cancel um a couple of times this year yeah and it's always been related and, to the venue and, and, it, and it's always related to trouble with management or management ag- agreeing and then adding on stipulations and so i i don't think i would want to bother with even taking yeah. on that kind of a liability and because it, just like the owners of this club when you have to when when you have a lot of people who have prepaid they need refunds but but you've probably sunk that money you, into, you into the hotel so you're hotel. waiting for the hotel to get your money back so it is a hassle so i love we love halloween parties but it's made me reconsider ever even thinking about yeah starting one it, not that we probably ever would have because it makes me thankful for those clubs that are established that yeah, have the ones that worked stable. out agreements with with their hotels and they're they've been at the same facility month after month like it's great to have that because it's we're we're not doing anything illegal, but we're doing things that are explicit enough. I mean, I guess maybe it could be illegal if there's open nudity that could be considered to be like lewd. Well, there is there are decency laws, but yeah. I don't know. It just we, we don't need to dwell on it. But it's just it's just um it's Halloween time, and it was just on my mind because of the the, yeah. the last minute cancellation and and all of that. But so we can move on to the other last the last lifestyle news topic is that desire is right our, upon our us. trip to desire yeah we got about four weeks before we leave yeah so we we're are leaving on what november 8th yeah is yeah. the day so less than a month till so, we're in desire and we're we're teaming up with the life on the swing set um t- trip to desire and not really i don't want to really give i don't want to give yeah. us too much credit life on the swing sets throwing or yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we're their, going it isn't co with us we're essentially just right. any other couple who's going that, that was misleading uh, what i said and, yeah. <laughs> yeah but we will be recording an episode from there i don't know the logistics yet of how we're doing that if we're actually gonna bring like what equipment we're gonna have to bring but we will be recording somehow i will we will have an episode <laughs> we don't know how good the audio will be so yeah it could be might if, have to warn you <laughs> yeah. i could be drunk Woo! oh we've well, had some requests by the way to record ourselves having sex so maybe we'll do something with that i don't know we'll see but there <laughs> well, it's been requested maybe multiple recordings will come out of desire so and, and but yeah the the woman moaning in our opening sequence i think as we laid out last last episode it's not me but maybe we maybe should re-edit we with a new yeah 
So let's move on into some sex in the news. We haven't done sex in the news. Oh, I don't know if my moaning is as sexy as the girl in the in our opening intro. So we want it to be sexy. It's pretty hot. Well, thank you. So we haven't done sex in the news in a while. We like this is the segment we like to do. We like to keep track of sex news that might that's more on the fringe or doesn't get huge publicity and. Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes we actually do talk about if we if, talk about the mainstream if, stuff if, if the mainstream is big enough yeah. or or whatnot. But we like to highlight um, some sex in the news. So the first thing we got is there is a James Franco produced documentary that is coming out on the. Um, it's covering the the topic is on the website the BDSM website kink dot com, and. We had only seen the trailer recently. Um, I think we watched it a few weeks ago, and it looks really, really. It, it does. It looks great. It it looks to be like a just a truthful telling of the B the story of the BDSM community and and that website in particular. Through the website in particular, yeah, yeah and, and it, it looks to be tastefully done. It doesn't look like it's lewd. It doesn't look like it's it's a porno by any means although there are some well you know there's explicitness th- just yeah, because of the nature of what it is i think it's going to be an, un- an but, unrated or x-rated documentary but it's not intended to be like um extremely sexualized you know like they're showing sexual acts but it's not intended to be like for people to fuck to you know mm-hmm. like it, it's truly a documentary it looks like it's tastefully done yeah i it, it looks good so check out the trailer to to Kink. It's called. Some of you may have already. It's it's out there. It was. Um, I actually didn't realize that it's actually been finished for a little while. It, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival last year in 2013, and but it, it hasn't got any sort of wide release. But the the, the trailer started making the rounds again mm-hmm. on various movie blogs. Of um, probably about a month ago. And so that leads me, but there was no, again, still no release dates un- yeah. announced for either theatrical release or, probably trying or, to find or, somebody to carry it or, or VOD release, figure out, but what we do. will keep you, um, we'll, we'll keep you informed because we are really looking forward to it because we yeah. don't know. We'll definitely talk about it on the, the show. BDSM community is a community that we don't know that much about simply because we, while we do our fair share of BDSM play with amongst ourselves. I'd say it's real light. We don't do much. We do, you know, we'll do some spanking and we have a ball gag and we, but we would not consider ourselves no. part of the BDSM community mm-hmm. or, or have, or be knowledgeable really at all. And so that, that, uh, that documentary will, should be very interesting. Absolutely. Plus I like to see anything that's being sex positive out there and and portrayed in a positive light oh for sure and this this film from the trailer i mean we have limited views of it but from the trailer it looks to be pretty positively portraying uh bdsm you know it looks to be telling the truth behind it and maybe maybe even dispelling some myths for what people think it is but really mm -hmm. it isn't so well part of it part of what i wonder is how truthful it is going to be about the community versus versus specifically this the website kink.com now either way it'll be enlightening for us just because we don't know much about yeah. the community in well, general we'll have to wait and see but um yeah so we're looking forward to that the next thing i want to talk about is halloween related just recently subway came under some uh some fire and criticism for a halloween ad that i'm gonna play here and then we can and then we'll discuss it yep you guys are eating burgers hey summer's over halloween's coming you gotta stay in shape for all the costumes. What's that? 
You know, like attractive nurse, spicy red riding hood, Viking princess warrior, hot devil, sassy teacher, and foxy fullback. Touchdown. Can we go over the Viking lady again? Whatever you're staying fit for, start at Subway. With loads of delicious low-fat sandwiches like tender turkey piled with any of your favorite veggies. Subway, eat fresh. So Subway was getting a lot of criticism for that ad for being sexist and fat shaming around the Halloween season. I think that's ridiculous. People people need to get a hold of themselves. And this is going to sound horrible, but... If you're fat, so what? Don't hold it against Subway for advertising food to help keep you thin. Like, And you could hear the audio. The listeners could hear the audio. But if you go ahead and check out the video, I'll link to the show notes. The woman who is wearing these various sexy costumes. My favorite is the sexy devil. The costumes are pretty tasteful relative to what we usually see for Compared Halloween. To what you, you, you know, you'd, like you'd be able to see them on network TV for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's no cleavage. The skirts are a reasonable length. They're tight fitting, so they're sexy. And she's a she's a thin, curvy, athletic looking woman. So they're they're sexy, but they're not like what you'd see in a swinger event. You know, so you, nobody can say that they're offended by the amount of skin that's showing. And yeah, eat Subway, stay thin is the message. Yeah, that's always been their motto. I mean, I do kind of see, although I don't really agree with it, I could see the argument that it's it's sexist and a little, or could be construed as misogynistic just because it completely ignores, like, there isn't a, they don't show any, like, they don't have a... a, a, a a guy, guy analog yeah. although like, there and so it's just told, like, like women stay of... women stay skinny so you can be in halloween costumes they're making fun of the like classic trope that that's come of light in the last i'd say five years it's probably always been this way but i think it's gotten worse in the last five to ten years is that everybody knows or it's pretty common that halloween costumes are the time for women to dress sexy and slutty i mean that's mm. it's exactly and it's not just the swinger world i mean that's in general yeah if that's you, if you look at female halloween costumes when you go to the halloween store there are some scary costumes that are like really halloween scary but that's probably t- five to ten percent of the halloween yeah, costumes most of that them are actually are in the store they're all sexy pretty much every, yeah everything's like sexy this or sexy like yeah like even if it is trying to it's well, like even sexy how vampire I met your mother, or... <laughs> the popular show how i met your mother slutty pumpkin I mean, there yeah. was a slutty pumpkin, so I, no, I don't know. I, think it doesn't bother me. That that commercial doesn't bother me at all. If I was fat, I still don't think it would bother me. And I feel like fat people, this is horrible, but I'm going to say it. Fat people are overly sensitive, maybe. Or not all fat people. That's a horrible generalization. But like the ones who are being offended by this, I feel like they're just being overly sensitive about their own weight problems. Well, there is the the argument like, oh, there, it's it's fat shaming, but... They never mentioned fat people. All they said That's was, sort of... we're eating, she she referenced, you guys are eating burgers, I'm eating Subway to try to stay thin, I want to fit in my Halloween costume. Yeah, no, I... I don't see how that's fat shaming at all. It's it... shaming the people eating burgers, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, so I completely agree I, that I, I don't think it's, I don't think it was offensive. Subway did come out and apologize for it. They said... Their actual quote was, we understand that some people may not have picked up on the intended humor in our Halloween commercial. Our objective was certainly not to offend anyone. So it's kind of funny because yeah, it's kind of a backhanded thing. they're not admitting that they kind did of a anything wrong at all. It's kind like, of a backhanded thing because they're like, yeah. you didn't pick up on the intended humor. Yeah, so. it's like saying, I'm sorry that you were offended as opposed to saying, I'm sorry we offended you. It's, I'm sorry you felt offended. 
But is oh, it really well, that like... much different than... I mean, well, I mean, there is an argument to be made that it is different, but between trying to fit into a Halloween costume versus Jared, you know, trying to fit into skinnier jeans, showing his his previous fat jeans that he would always hold up in the commercials. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it would be more sexist than fat shaming because, as you pointed out, they're like yes, looking I can, at the sexy woman. I I'm not. I don't find by it to be I sexist, but. If I were to find a problem with it, it would be that. Especially at the end where the guy's in a Viking outfit and he's like, go back to that Viking one, you know? Like, or you mean the girl in the Viking? The guy is actually sitting in a Viking costume, too, and he requests her to sit in a, to oh, go back I didn't, to the Viking costume. I actually didn't notice this, oh, so the people sitting, sitting down. One of the two. But yeah. if I was the head of marketing or, or came up with that commercial, I probably would have tried, probably would have included... Uh, beef uh male beefcake or whatever for to yeah to to be then there then people probably would find it too sexy i don't know well maybe they, they they couldn't win with that commercial but it was a halloween commercial that was related to body image so i thought it was yeah. a worthwhile topic agreed so the, the other thing was this one's a little late to discuss but we haven't done sex on the news since then but in as part of the new orleans naughty in naughty in new orleans or, I have a, a, Not, Nadia Nolens. <laughs> yeah, I don't pronounce that very well. But they have, I believe it's part of, um, well, I don't think it's part of Mardi Gras because um, it was in August and Mardi Gras is in February. But they, as a part of this Nadia Nolens, they have a, they had a Swinger Pride Parade this year. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if it was. It was the, on Bourbon Street, so. Yeah. I don't know if it was the first one, or also the first annual, but, but but they had one, and it made me think. Like my first thought was, "Oh, that's awesome!" Like, was your second thought, "We're going next year?" Because that's no, where my brain went. We need to go to Bourbon Street. I had anyway. all those thoughts, but I also thought, "Oh man!" And this, this is like a like a, I'm I'm a little ashamed for this podcast and this audience to think this way, but I'm like, man, what I want to be part of that parade because like if pictures are taken and you just happen to make like, you know, local media will always take a picture and be like this. Here's a picture of the pride parade. And then I have family in new Orleans too. And so then, then that gets out. And so I don't know. We've, it's at night. We're long overdue for a, um, discussing, um, discussing coming out, discussing coming out or just, just discussing, societal views and how that affects you because there is the whole thing about it being an underground community and part of it well the like, thing and, is and we, okay it's, it's we just like about... the gay pride parade though just because you're in the parade doesn't mean you're gay well just that's... because you're supporting swinging doesn't mean you're a swinger you probably are but it well, doesn't I mean you are i suppose so and i don't it's supporting sex positivity so anybody who jumps to that conclusion it's unfair and that's the argument you could make should you end up in any kind of that's true, but uh, I always, I never put, even though swingers and those with alternative lifestyles and, and non-monogamous relationships, they are marginalized. I try to not lump us in with with the struggles of the gay community no, because I know, they but have. I, I'm, I'm using it as an example no, 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 because I, they have gay pride. I mean, on one hand, it is an, an analogous because it's a marginalized community and you stay in the shadows and you stay hidden. And but now gays are fighting for their rights to come out. But I think that's more that's much more about civil civil liberties. Like I am not yeah. I don't I'm not oppressed in the way that the LGBT community is. No, but, but polyamory is. But I think it's very cool that there's a swinger pride parade and I would And I, I bet mean, it's it, very small. I would be fun to be part of it, but at the same time I did have that thought, oh, would I want to like have it like potentially like come out like that? Because 
us. And just there's like also a, lot a difference of between being in the parade and being on the sideline watching and clapping Although, and supporting the parade, which is more than likely what we would do. I think it's pretty innocuous because who is like who is going to pay attention? I mean, now, the more I think about it, who would even notice us in like exactly? And we would be showing support for our, the community, which I don't. I just want to bring this up real quick, but I want to talk about it more in length in a future episode. Um, but it is interesting how we. I definitely would like swinging to become more mainstream, but there is that fun part that is like we're part of a secret community, like mm-hmm. it's something that's un like underground, Very eyes and, wide shut ish. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so it's 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 what I do. I want this to become more mainstream. I definitely do because, but the but there is that part of the there is that part of that's losing the, part of that secret club. Yeah, exactly. Members of a secret just like club. people joke around that drinking is less fun when you hit 21 even because if it's it becomes not. more acceptable it's still it's always going to be an exclusive club it's always going to be something that you got to be in the know to find the house parties you got to be in the know to to know where to go and when to go and and what's happening and and there's always going to be that secrecy at, at least in michigan without some significant changes to law because we don't have on-premise clubs no we don't have clubs like in ohio so there's always going to be that secrecy of if you're staying in a hotel in michigan what might have gone on here the weekend before? Those hotel takeovers? Yeah. I mean, that has its own little bit of, if only the walls of the halls in the, you know, the, the walls in the hotel could talk because they would have some stories to tell. But the the, the Naughty and Nolans, um, um convention se- seems really cool. This is from, the, this is the description from, from their website. Um, it'll kick off with the parade on Wednesday and feature seminars, demonstrations, workshops, Private parties on Bourbon Street, nightly erotic theme balls, and a hospitality floor where couples can be free to explore and expand their sexuality with other couples. That That's, definitely sounds awesome. Yeah. And we've never been to we we we've never been to uh, New Orleans, so we might have to either like I would yeah, definitely want to go when there's for something fun going. I would either want to go you know during this and, it, and, and or given during, that they have a hospitality floor, that makes me think that it's happening at a hotel. And it the the website like is Nolan's couples convention so i assume that this is kind of like a little it's i don't think it's a very big event that happens but but again that that parade happened august 6th so we're late to the party discussing it but it seems cool let us know if anybody who lives in that area if you if you went or if you know people who went and if you if it was a good time Mm -hmm. so the next topic that i wanted to get to was an interesting one so the uh the myth of the trophy wife and that that was busted I don't think that's busted because I am a trophy wife. Come on. It's so, true. If any of you have met us, I'm kidding. But the, or so a, this was published in the Journal of American Sociological Review on June 9th. Is that a peer, I assume that's peer reviewed? Yes. It's, okay. Yeah. Um, by a Notre Dame professor. And they found that the trophy wife myth is... There, there is no actual evidence for the trophy wife. So the trophy wife is that you have a a successful a successful husband who has the sexy bombshell of a wife, the trophy wife, and that's what she's good for. That's why he got with her. That's mm-hmm. why they're together. She is essentially his piece to put on the mantle and show off as a version of his accomplishments. But they say that they found almost no evidence of the trophy wife stereotype, which suggests attractive young women tend to marry rich and successful men. So they found that to be untrue. What they did find instead is that couples are far more likely to end up together because they share similar traits. 
For example, attractive, wealthy, or highly educated people are more likely to choose a partner with the same qualities, and the same is true for less attractive, low-earning, or less educated people. So if you stop there, this makes absolute sense. The hotties end up with the hotties, and the naughties end up with the naughties. And and they mentioned that the the beauty status exchange that that they discuss that it makes it possible for that the idea is that it makes it possible for attractive women to climb the social ladder by marrying a wealthy wealthy and, and often less attractive partner yeah and i mean it does happen there's examples of this where there's there's um like the the women who marry hugh hefner for example or or women who yes marry, oh of course sugar daddies there, you know there's there's examples out there, there but is, they're limited there is going to be the case study you know yeah. the, the the individual well, scenario. what this is getting at is, but that's, this is it's showing... truly not the norm that when couples get together it's based on mutual attractiveness and and sharing of traits they did find a strong correlation between level of attractiveness and socioeconomic status. Now that's interesting because that's that's kind of indicating that better looking people make more money. That's what they found, or, or are more successful. The, the two traits usually go hand in hand, and, and that more attractive people tend to be more successful economically. And it may explain why the stereotype persists. And what that points to to me is that there's still some social inequalities when it comes to being successful on the job. That people who are more attractive are more likely to win those negotiations or, or get those jobs over people who are less attractive but might be equally qualified. Yeah, and, that's and, true. And that's you know, that's something that we I've seen talked about and it's it goes hand in hand with gender inequality and other other inequalities and that are out there and just people's natural biases attractive that are actually technically not legal in a lot of att- cases. Attractive but... individuals often will get the opportunities that a less attractive person won't and be mm-hmm. able to climb that the the ladder the the work ladder and the socioeconomic ladder and what they also wanted to because they found that there was a strong correlation between socioeconomic status and attractiveness one thing that people often don't pay attention to is that you you'll often see you know they they make an example here where they you'll often see a doctor with an attractive wife on his on his arm but what you don't realizes that she's also a, a successful professional in her own right so she's mm-hmm. she's she's a she trophy wife from the from, from the look standpoint and, yeah for, but she also she holds her own in the professional world yeah um so then they they had just found that that you know one, that trophy wife myth is one thing unfounded that might perpetuate that too is if you've got a couple who both people are educated but the the wife Although educated, chooses not to take a job, chooses to be a homemaker, mm-hmm. stay home with the kids and whatnot. Yes, that, they also... And I, I think you would see that too, where yeah. you know people, both people may, may have met in college. They could both be carrying bachelor's degrees or whatever, but one one goes to work and the other one takes care of the the household. And when they do that, I could see the wife being considered a trophy wife because she doesn't work, but she is equally educated. So, so this next one is not good for me. <laughs> Um, porn bad for the brain. They've this one study found porn being bad for the brain. This was an article that was published in JAMA um, Psychiatry, so the Journal of American Medical Association. Mm-hmm. Um, psychiatry, the version. psychiatry um, branch published this article in May 2014, stating that men who report watching a lot of pornography tend to have less volume and activity in regions of the brain linked to rewards and motivation says the german study so this was uh these were german um Mm -hmm. researchers and i find that interesting they 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 found that the volume 
of a brain region associated with reward processing and motivated behavior was smaller, the more pornography consumption the participants reported. Yeah, so that's interesting because it, it, to me, it's like, uh, the more self reward and self pleasure you give you you give yourself, the less stimulating it becomes. It's like you're you're almost becoming too used to it or dead into it. Yeah, that's that's, that's what it seems. We've heard of like people talk found. about that before. There's a local radio show uh, that one of the guys on the radio show talks about how into porn he is and how much he masturbates on a routine basis, multiple times a day, and and he's talked about how his porn watching habits have had to increase or go he's constantly having to look for something new and better because what used to turn him on uh stops being attractive to him Mm -hmm. and he's constantly looking for something new because the same old same old stops being attractive to him it kind of seems like this to me you know it's it 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 parallels you know what what you see in real life is kind of paralleling what they're talking about i mean i know i I, it's hard for me to link that back to motivation though i know what they found and what they published but it's sometimes like you find it like you just see a study that just doesn't it seems like more research is needed because i don't think i mean i mean i I don't know what's going on it's hard to imagine that that porn watching is remodeling your brain the way that they did it so they they recruited 64 healthy men between the ages of 21 and 45 so that's a small sample size yes yeah oh yeah 64 is very small that's an incredibly small sample size and we don't know how they recruited that's really small and so 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 their patient recruiting in and of itself could have been biased they also and so they and they asked them questions about their porn watching habits and they also took images of the men's brains to measure volume so the actual volume of the brain mm-hmm. the brain tissue to see how their brains reacted to pornographic pictures and so 64 i mean 64 patients is is a well, is a small number that and they're they're trying to correlate um physical measurements to a survey of questions and as you know, having studied psychology, specifically you studied like survey research methodology, it's wrought with problems if you don't ask questions in certain ways so as not to introduce bias in, oh, your, yeah, you in can... your surveys. So I mean, they do have the, the physiological measure that they're actually measuring. Right, but they're trying um, to link that back to survey responses Yeah, based and... on how much porn someone watches. So that's where it gets to be tricky to take a physiological measurement and relate that back to porn, to back, back to questions that somebody's answered yeah so. it, it's it is dubious. So it's interesting finding, it is dubious but... so it's it's interesting but this is one where i for sure think more research needs to be done to corroborate or mm-hmm. or make claims here the other but thing... anecdotally you can kind of explain it yeah yeah and so the other thing that they the other thing that they found was that the connection between the um the the part of the brain that they were measuring and the prefrontal cortex which is the outer layer of the brain associated with behavior and decision making worsened with increased porn watching. Now, I actually don't know. I am only I was only reading the abstract from the mm-hmm. article. So, I don't know what they mean by worsened. Um that mm-hmm. the that the it, it, they make it seem like here that the that decision making worsened. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Like making poor decisions, maybe? At, at, but, at the very end, like the last two sentences of the abstract that's here, it says it's not possible to say whether watching porn is actually harmful. So, I mean, they're even admitting themselves that they, they have some interesting results, but they're not yeah. really entirely sure what they mean or, or how valid it is. But, I mean, it's it's naive to think that watching a lot of porn is not going to have some kind of impact, but I, I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's hard to imagine yeah. that it's changing the volume of different portions of your brain, well, unless man. it's like a significant amount of porn. 
and everything in moderation, right? I mean, well, well, man, if you have if if you get in trouble for a bad decision making, just blame it on the porn. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't buy it. So the last article that I have here, I thought was really really interesting, and so this was, it's a article that was posted in the in the Journal of Ecology Letters. And so, right there, I don't think I don't know how. I don't big know of a, if that's a peer reviewed one either. Oh, I'm sure it is. I, I'm sure it is. Okay. Um, but it's in. Um, it's. I think it's definitely a smaller tiered journal. Yeah. Um. And so they found that previous sex partner semen can influence offspring, and that in is flies. Well, I was trying to make it more dramatic at first, <laughs> but that it the idea. Well, first, before we dive into the details of this, of what they did and what they found, it's interesting to think about, like, you never think that previous sexual partners will really impact anything in terms of your offspring. I don't want my previous sexual partners to impact anything in terms of my offspring either. Like, I've... When when I chose to have offspring, I chose the the man that I wanted to have that offspring with, and that's the man that I want to have 100% influence on my offspring. If I wanted any other of my sexual partners to influence my offspring, I would have chose to have offspring with them. So, like, I don't want any of my previous sexual partners to have any kind of anything input. I want to think that it's all from me and all from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, you, that's the conventional thinking is that it's not that that your offspring are completely yeah. well, influenced by by the person who you mated with. And right, because I like from my own perspective, there are certain people that I want to have sex with because I want to have sex with them, and there are certain people that I want to have sex with because I want to mate with them, or <laughs> it's fun to have sex. You know, I mean, sex is fun, so sometimes you just want to do it to do it, and pretend that the ecological point of having sex doesn't exist you know that's so researchers at the university of um new south wales in australia found what they're calling this phenomenon of non-genetic inheritance which hmm. is just crazy to think about like non-genetic inheritance i don't understand like that that seems like a paradox to me i don't understand that but so what they found in this certain this certain um breed of flies is that the mating of the fly, the size, the size of the flies, was influenced by the previous, the female's previous sexual partner. That it was that it, that played a factor. And the argument or the the thought process behind that is that there's a lot of there's there there's a lot of material that's in your semen. Only five percent is is of of uh, seminal fluid is is the actual sperm. And the rest is is liquid from from the prostate, and there's a lot of proteins in there, and so that just the the ejaculation, the getting that up in getting that up up, up in the vag, just of the fly, of the fly. Yes, I mean, yeah, we're yeah. talking about flies, but that actually um, those proteins mess around with the with the female and actually change her, so. They actually influence her her makeup and the way that she. So her her genetic her makeup is actually a little bit different, based based on these proteins that are coming from her mate. And so when she has sex with the uh, fly with 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 another fly, then they find that 
the size of the fly was influenced, not completely, but it was influenced by the previous sexual partner, which that's, is interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, I I uh, don't draw any parallels to to humans by any means. And, well, but, but we don't know flies, though. But I mean, because that's true. I mean, that's true in in human sperm that there's going to be all kinds of various proteins and things that yeah, but could. To think that there's something that's left behind that's I mean I don't think we want to think left about behind it. in the in the um, in the vagina that could somehow influence the eggs, which the eggs in women are pre-made and they sit like there's there's space, time, and distance separating the eggs in women from the from the semen, and eggs are all made at the beginning when a woman when a woman is first created. The eggs are all made once, and that's all the eggs you have for your lifetime, and they're sitting in your ovaries. So I imagine in order to influence the egg itself, the protein from the sperm would have to come in contact with yeah, the egg true. And somehow. So, like, I don't know. There's all this separation that, in my mind, I, I would that's find true. it hard to believe. But in the animal kingdom, especially it's, to draw, it's, like, it's interesting, or at least in the parallels. insect world, that it's, it's interesting that... Yeah. Offspring are the, at least size, various various yeah. characteristics, various of uh, various physical traits were influenced not by your father but by the previous person that influenced, you're influenced, but not necessarily completely dictated by. See, I, I mean, the father is still the primary, like the father and the and the mother are still two primary sources of of um, genetic material and and makeup. Yeah, yeah, and even though it was just it was still flies, it still boggled my mind that there's mm-hmm. just that there's this non-genetic inheritance because that just doesn't that flies in the face of everything you know about right. genetics Fly, and no pun intended <laughs> oh i didn't even i didn't get that yeah it does i yeah it's it doesn't match up with what we've learned about how um offspring are created mm-hmm. genetically so the last sex in the news article that i have is is regarding a potentially Miracle drug, or not, not, Miracle might be overplaying it, but um, this is from an article from Popular Science uh, magazine, although I this is from the blog that I read that they publish, but um, so, so their article, the article, the title of the article is, This Pill Can Stop HIV. Well, that's intriguing. That is a big, that's a big deal. That's why it made me stop and read this article. And the drug is called uh, Truvada. And it's actually a drug that has been used. The FDA approved it for the treatment of HIV and AIDS in 2004. Mm-hmm. So one of the drugs that it, it's it's a drug that post diagnosis you take it, and it's just part of your regimen. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to help with the it helps the with virus, your viral load. The vir the viral load exactly helps keep the viral load low, which makes. AIDS or it makes HIV more survivable and, and less likely to, de- to develop into AIDS. But this year, specifically um, in May, the CDC laid out guidelines for this drug that to to use it as as a prophylactic, to use it as, as a preventative measure yep. for HIV. So they they call it pre-exposure exposure prophylaxis or PEP, <laughs> and that's it's a specific designation that you oh, have to. Sorry if you hear our dog coughing. She's got. She's she's sick right now. Unfortunately, she got kennel cough from the vet. Yeah, she got the she she we, we we took her in for a routine routine um, routine exam just a routine exam just to get her yearly shots or whatever. And then she developed a cold or developed um, a cough. So we took her in and they said, oh, she's got kennel cough, and she probably got it for, from here. And then they went to charge us a hundred dollars for the medication. It's like Indeed. you know we got it from here. 
Well, but... they didn't do it on purpose. So anyway, the the drug is approved for for um, pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is it's called PEP approval, and essentially what that means is they've demonstrated that if you take this drug before you're actually exposed to the HIV virus, it can prevent you from ever getting the HIV virus. Well, what what this article says, and um, I probably should have done a little bit more research to narrow it down a little bit more, but this article specifically says that it stops the virus from replicating. So you'll, get expo- like you'll have exposure mm-hmm. to the virus, but the virus will be unable to replicate and will be unable to become pervasive and systemic throughout your system. Right. So presumably whatever initial viral load you're exposed to will, will your immune system dissipate will just and take care of that. Yep. And, and then it won't replicate. And so you, you won't actually come down with HIV. Yeah. So a results from a 2012 trial showed that when participants took the pill every day, their risk of developing HIV was cut by 92%. That's pretty awesome. And so, again, in May, the CDC laid out their guidelines that high-risk patients should take a daily pill and get an HIV test every three months. Truvada, this drug, should supplement, not replace condoms. So that's really excellent news for people with spouses that have HIV. Because that means that their fate is not necessarily sealed to get HIV as well. Yeah, so what do you think? you think that, that that's, that's a good point. Do you think that people should use this... Um, that there should be there's enough of a concern that an HIV is a serious enough disease that you should that everybody should take this just like everybody uses a condom that everybody should just take this. Uh, well, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. But I'm it just doesn't work you. like it doesn't work like a vaccine where you can get it once or once a year and be covered. It it sounds like it's a daily pill because you have to have some level of this me- medication within your blood system at all times. Well, that's true. I and, mean, and, I, I, and I don't know. Specifics. Any regular, maybe, maybe you only need to take it. Any regular maybe individual like isn't a... exposed to the virus, and and general precautions such as not allowing um, blood from infected people to come in contact with your own wounds and blood. Um, is sufficient to protect you from HIV in most cases. Yes, as I, long as you're not not using needles and things. So, so no, I I don't think the general population needs to use this. But I, I do think that those people who are at risk, this is a wonderful opportunity, and and it's great that we've got the data to support that this this drug can can help be preventative. So anybody who's got a, a spouse or a significant other with with HIV, I mean, that allows them to be able to be intimate without as much fear of, of contracting it. And so I, I think that's great. And there's also something to be said about people in the sex industry. And I mean, we talked about California's proposal yeah, that if now I was, requires people to have condoms and if I worked in porn, I would probably want to uh, yeah. take this. <laughs> well, what we don't know is number one, insurance is unlikely to cover it unless you've got a close personal family member who's infected. If you're in the sex industry, I doubt insurance would cover it. Number two, we don't know the cost of this medication. It's probably not cheap. Yeah, so, and and there and is there's not going to be a generic drug out for this yet because given that it's it's a newer drug, they have uh, usually it's 25 year patent rights on those on on drugs before generics can can kick in. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be expensive. So there is the 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 one the one last thing that I wanted to mention before we wrap this episode up is that. Um, a CDC epidemiologist actually did say that they're working on or that it's possible that a weekly pill or a monthly injection could minimize the hassle of a of a daily drug. And so yeah. that 
for for those in the at, at risk population, just only needing to take a monthly injection would be yeah, that would be much fantastic. Better. And and then I mean, if we can have luck in prevention like this, it would be great then to help us actually eradicate the disease as a whole. I mean, if we can get find something that works over the course of a week or a month, I mean, it's only a matter of time before we find something that that lasts has a more lasting effect to actually try and eradicate this disease. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Sounds good. So please leave us your comments and feedback, positive or negative. We love to hear what you guys think about the show. Not that we're going to change ourselves, but we love to, th- to hear what you, you have to say, and we appreciate the feedback. You can uh, leave comments on iTunes and give us a rating there or on Stitcher, whatever platform you use. Email us at swingingaround at gmail.com. No G at the end of swinging. You can tweet at us. We're at swingingaround. No G at the end of swinging. And you can find us at swingingaround.com. All right, everybody. Stay sexy and stay swinging.